All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. I'm back. After a three-day hiatus in Toronto for some Hall of Fame festivities and the GM meetings, glad to be back in the chair hosting Daily Faceoff Live, streaming live on Twitter, YouTube, as well as, of course, dailyfaceoff.com. And pleased to be joined by our Daily Faceoff associate editor and prospect analyst, Stephen Ellis. Stephen, what's up, man? How you doing? Toronto's the best place in the world, but the weather, eh, not so much. How about Buffalo? Can we talk about that for a quick second? On pace for 177 centimeters of snow in the next uh, four days. More than four feet, a potential of six feet of snow. I'm sorry, it's November, and I don't know. I guess that's why people don't like Buffalo. Yeah, I, I when I used to live in Alberta, it was the same kind of thing, but not what Buffalo is getting right now. Six feet of snow, like like Jeff Skinner can't even walk out there. What's he going to do? All right, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock, and let's start with this. A hit that received a lot of consternation and attraction on social media, Alex Edler on Connor McDavid on Wednesday night, Kings against the Edmonton Oilers, also broadcast on national TV in the U.S. This is the hit. And a lot of people were saying that uh, Alex Edler should potentially receive supplemental discipline for this hit. Uh, I checked in uh, in the last little bit here, and I'm told to not expect a hearing or any supplemental discipline coming for Alex Edler. Steven, I want you to give me your take on the hit first, and then I'll give you mine. So it's hard to give Edler the benefit of the doubt because he's done this before. We saw him doing it against Zach Hyman when he was, he was with the Leafs, and we saw him do it against Eric Stahl at the World Championship in 2020, or 2013. So this is not unprecedented for him. 
in this situation, I don't think this was targeted. I don't think he was going out there to be dirty. It, I think it was just kind of a bad situation of McDavid trying to evade the hit. He gets knee on knee. Uh, because you, you look at Eller, he didn't really change course. He just kept going, and it just ended up having that impact that it did. So I, I'm I'm okay with there not being a penalty or for a, any an extra discipline for there. I would have again. It's it's hard to give him full credit for it. This is a guy that has done it in the past, but uh, I think it was just kind of a freak situation there of just kind of how McDavid was trying to get around there and what happened there. So uh, I'm okay with the, the decision there. Yeah, and, and I am too. You heard Zach Hyman. He absolutely crushed Alex Edler in an intermission hit, basically saying exactly what you did, that this guy's lost the benefit of the doubt. And you we just played the clip of Edler blowing up Hyman. Uh, I believe this was from last season, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, certainly understand where you're coming from. But what clinched it for me, and I do not believe that there should be any discipline coming, is the reverse angle of the hit. And when you take a look at it from this view, look how far Edler has to travel starting now. And he never changes his posture. He never changes his stance. He already went in with a wide stance. That's 10 or 15 feet to travel against the fastest and probably the best player, the most highly evolved player we've ever seen. It was an awkward play in tight space. It's not like McDavid was revving through the neutral zone and he just you know, stuck his leg out there to try and evade him from, from getting past and getting a scoring chance. This was, I believe, an ugly and unfortunate play. And I understand what you're saying in that he doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt. But in this case, I just don't see it. And I do understand the Oilers' uh, interest in protecting their best asset. But I've seen a lot of this reaction on social media, Stephen, where people are saying, oh, the NHL doesn't protect its stars. You can't discipline and go through hits based on who's the receive on the receiving end of it. It needs to be totally neutral. Agree or disagree? I agree. And like, what what are you supposed to do in that situation? There, like, like he also had a guy behind him too. That it wasn't like McDavid was completely open ice here. There was another guy right there, and he was kind of sandwiched there. But yeah, you you got to take it. You, you can't do it by player by player basis. You got to apply everything equally. Uh, it was an unfortunate hit that it happened, but yeah, again, he's gonna be fine and did. I don't think there should have been anything more than what happened there. Yeah, I think important to point out, too, that there was no injury on the play as well. Let's move on and talk. Uh, I saw this as a genesis of the idea of this. I saw a tweet on social media saying that the John Marino trade is going to end up being one of the most lopsided deals of the summer. And I was thinking, huh, that's really interesting. Marino has really played quite well for the New Jersey Devils, who have reeled off 10 straight wins, their third best run in franchise history. He's obviously an efficient puck mover and a guy that's on a pretty reasonable contract if he's a big contributor to your team. Ty Smith mm -hmm. is in the minors, and I understand where they're coming from, but Stephen, I wanted to just, now that we're in the first six weeks of the season, take a look back. What trade really stands out to you in terms of being a really impactful one that ended up being a really good deal? Well, I'm going to stick with the New Jersey Devils, and I'm going to go with how when they acquired Vitek Vanacek from the Washington Capitals. And part of it's for Vanacek and part of it's for who else they got, which was the second-round pick in Seamus Casey, who right now is one of the best players in the NCAA. He's having a fantastic season. I don't think anyone kind of expected him to be this good as a freshman, but with Vanacek, he's winning games. And, you know, his analytical stats might not be the best, but – He's winning games. That's all you can ask for for the goalies. Uh, he's got a shutout. Uh, he's a big reason why this team's doing as well as they are because you look at last year when they had about 33 goalies in net and none of them could kind of figure things out. And uh, he's been there. He's been solid. He's been exactly what they needed. Um, the fact is also that Blackwood has played good in his short span and Akira Schmid also has looked good. Um, but I think that 
just given kind of one of the biggest issues last year was their their goaltending and they couldn't find consistency. They finally got it and they didn't have to give up much to make that happen. Hmm. So what you're saying is it's the summer of Tom Fitzgerald. We were saying it was the summer of the Sens. And in this case, two really good moves by the Devils and certainly have put them in a position to not just be a playoff lock. People are already starting to wonder if this team could potentially be a little bit more than that and strive for more this season. You're not there yet. I can see you shaking your head. But for me, the trade that really has been super impactful, there's a lot of them. You could say Brent Burns going to Carolina. Um, I would say that it's Oliver Bjorkstrand going from Columbus to Seattle. And it's not just in how Bjorkstrand has helped Seattle. That's been incredibly important. The three Bs, we've been talking about them for a while in Bjorkstrand, Burakovsky, and Berniers that have really changed the look of this Kraken team and have made them way more competitive and tougher to play against. It's also from the structure that's been lost in the Columbus Blue Jackets. You take a piece like that that's a really complete, conscientious player and take him out of your lineup they really seem to be lacking a lot of that structure to begin with. And he was one of those guys that it seems like everything's kind of crumpled around him. A guy that is has massive term on his contract at a really reasonable number for someone that's generally a 50-point scorer. And they didn't have to give up a lot to get him third and fourth round picks. I think that was one of the big steals of the summer as the Kraken took advantage of a cap casualty with the Columbus Blue Jackets. So now let's flip the question and let's take a look back at uh, a spot where a GM maybe might want to do over uh, from a move that was made this summer. What say you, what stands out? Well, I'm going to go with the Vancouver Canucks and specifically JT Miller signing him to that long-term deal that will be $8 million kicks in next season. Uh, now we're talking about a team that the, the, the whole conversation is who are they going to ship out? Are they going to do a full rebuild? So signing a guy who's nearly 30 to a, a deal like that, uh, that is as expensive as it is, it definitely doesn't help that situation. I At the trade deadline, I didn't think it was worth trading him. I think it was worth exploring what the, the future was. But I feel like you still could have got a pretty good return from him over the summer. And people, like I know at that point, teams are, are trying to be conscious of their money, making sure they have enough money to, to sign players they need. But uh, that's a guy that could have fetched a really nice return. Well, now, right now, he's got a bigger contract and he's he's played well, but he's still, he's not, not playing at the level he did last year. So he's not playing kind of what you want him to maximize that trade value. So for me, I'm going with JT Miller. It is interesting to see where the Canucks kind of take things if they are going to blow things up. I still think there's some decent talent there, but it's still patchwork from that team that did well in the playoffs a couple of years ago. They haven't really made any huge moves to address the issues from that year at this point. So it'll be interesting what they do, but I, I think now just JT Miller is a hard guy to move. Yeah, well, he's a hard guy to move. He's hit 99 points last year, probably not going to duplicate it. You mentioned the age and the term, and I also feel like signing a guy that may not have been the most popular guy in that room and entering the season, leaving a guy that's been on an absolute tear in Bo Horvat unsigned was kind of like lobbing a grenade into your locker room. So um, I think that's certainly played a big part in why the, the wheels have fallen off for the Canucks to this point in the season. For me, the one that stands out is the St. Louis Blues decision to allow David Perron to walk to Detroit. And this guy is all he's done the last number of years is defied the age curve. And he was such a big part of what St. Louis did. You look at how close to a point per game he was um, and how much he had played some of his best hockey contributing to that team, um, helping them win a championship, you know, had only ever signed contracts with the St. Louis Blues. So many facets to it. And I can tell you that, 
the Blues not only miss his contributions on the power play, but they also miss his chemistry with Ryan O'Reilly, where something has clearly been off there. So O'Reilly has struggled. The Blues have struggled for a time without Perron, although they've won uh, four in a row now after losing eight straight. Uh, they're in a spot where they made a decision. It was a toss-up between Perron and Nick Letty, and I think they picked the wrong guy. And I think that that's something that has significantly impacted their season. And Doug Armstrong might want a do-over on that front. So look at his history. Stephen look Wolf at his history, though. He'll be back. He keeps he, every time he leaves, he comes back. <laughs> He'll be back at some point. Yeah, I, I think the ship might have sailed on that one this time. Uh, after going back and forth a number of times, I don't know that he's coming back this time, but uh, very good point by you. Um, let's talk about something that was a topic of conversation in the GM meetings in Toronto on Tuesday. And I kind of was trading some uh, ideas and, and chatter about this with a number of managers and executives after the fact. And so they were talking about penalty shots in uh, their meeting. And I think one of the topics related to it was if this is a close call where a player you know, might have an opportunity to score and is on a break, would you rather see more penalty shots or would you rather see more penalties called? Like which direction should we sort of direct the officials to go? And I think the GMs were polled on that front, but I wanted to take it a step further. And I had this idea and I floated it by a few people. And I said, well, what if instead of directing the referees to go one way or the other, if it's borderline, why don't we give coaches the opportunity to make the decision what they'd like to see from their team? And I think it's fascinating because it's totally dependent on a number of things. A, how good your power play is. B, what the situation of the game is. C, can you sub out the player who is fouled and allow it to be anyone from your bench? You could inject some interesting drama into this situation where you could say, hey, we're going to decline the penalty shot and we're going to take a power play. If you're the Oilers, you might do that. I think penalty shots are somewhere in the 15 to 20% success rate. And they're kind of closer to 30% on their power play. Or would you take the opportunity on the break? If you're a team that's a power play that's struggling, you probably wouldn't. So I just want to ask you, Stephen, am I batshit crazy or do you like the idea? I do like the idea, and it's something that uh, the ball hockey league I played in kind of did this thing where you, the, the coach got to choose, and uh, it would kind of depend on who the opponent was as to what decision you do. And I think that made it kind of fun because you never knew what to expect and change the dynamic game to game. Um, that's something I would love to see tried in the AHL or even the ECHL to see kind of how that works. Maybe it's something where something like putting the puck over the glass or too many men, that's a penalty shot as opposed to just a regular power play. Um, if I'm a coach, I, I'm leaning more for penalty shots because you the, the, you still get the same number. Like you, you, on a power play, yeah, you'll get a lot of different chances for goals, but you the other team can't score in that situation. It's just you versus the goalie if it's a penalty shot. So you're eliminating a chance of a shorthanded goal being scored, um, and you can only still score on a regular power play one goal. You can only score one goal on the shootout or a, power, or a penalty shot. So I'm okay with it being up to the coaches. I think, again, I would lean a bit more to penalty shots, but I also just kind of love the drama. I know I'm probably one of the few people who love shootouts. I just love the drama of the one-on-one -on -one like that. So I'm okay with allowing the coaches to decide that. Yeah, I hadn't considered that point about not allowing a chance shorthanded against. And I, don't, I would probably lean toward penalty shot every time because you're guaranteed to get a good look. Like you may not get a good look on a power play you know, your guy may fan on a shot, a stick may break, a million things could happen that 
I would choose penalty shot almost every time, but I guess it also depends on the player fouled and what you, whether you'd have an opportunity to sub that guy out. Anyway, just something for uh, the NHL, if they're listening, to think about. Um, I don't know. I thought it was a good idea. We'll see. Uh, let's get to icebreakers this week. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to this week's edition of Icebreakers, delivered by DoorDash. Frank, the Leafs have a little salary cap flexibility if Jake Muzzin expect to be an LTIR for the rest of the season. We did get to see him at Morning Skate today, though, uh, watching in person. How active do you think they'll be in replacing him? I think they'll be pretty active. I think you've seen Kyle Dubas slow play it to this point, saying, hey, we're going to give plenty of opportunity to Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Liljegren, and that makes sense, of course. But I think longer term, it's interesting because a lot of people, I've gotten this reaction on social media saying this team doesn't even need a defenseman right now. They like what they've seen from Jordy Ben. They've got you know volume and some numbers there that they could play with in terms of guys that might be able to sub in. But I think I've always viewed, and, and more importantly, other managers around the league view this uh, Leafs team for the last few years as being a piece away on defense. Now you take out a guy like Muzzin who was brought in to be part of that uh, championship run, that championship pedigree that he has. And I wrote a story earlier this week on dailyfaceoff.com that looks at six potential fits for the Maple Leafs on their back end. And I want to point this out because I think it's important to look at the ideal scenario for Toronto. I think ideally the Leafs would not like to trade for a rental. That's sort of been in Kyle Dubas's MO. And I think after going through what they did with Nick Foligno, they don't want to trade for a rental ideally. But take a look at this list. They might have to because the defense market is really thin. We heard Sens GM Pierre Dorian say earlier this week at the GM meetings saying, hey, look, we were in a spot where it's really hard to trade for defense in this league. But out of the six guys on the list, five of them are pending unrestricted free agents. The only guy that has term on his deal 
is Matt Roy from the Los Angeles Kings. And when you take a look at the six guys, um, we'll get it up here eventually. You can also go to dailyfaceoff.com to read to read it. Um, that the guy that stands out for me the most, Stephen, is John Klingberg. I think the Leafs have an opportunity here to jump the market, get. Uh, someone from Anaheim where the Ducks have already struggled clearly was brought in with the idea that if they struggled, he might be a potential flippable asset. He does have the no trade clause until January one. I think that's one really key name to watch as the best all around well-rounded fit for Toronto that can help on your power play can help and is above average defensively um, and skates incredibly well as well and can chew up a ton of minutes. Senators GM Pierre Dorian said this week that he's very active on the trade front. He also mentioned he might have the solution internally. Does he? I think he might. Um, when you when you look at the Ottawa Senators and their spot and the contributions that they've gotten from Jake Sanderson, already he highlighted playing 25 minutes a night. And Eric Branstrom has really taken his game up a notch this season. And... Then you look at Jacob Berner Docker slide in that we've all been kind of pointing to this moment. And I know you'd have eyes on that as our prospect analyst, Stephen, about the Sens have a ton of talent in their pipeline. And the reason I wanted to highlight that as a potential option is that I think a lot of teams get in trouble potentially chasing a fit that might not be there given how thin the defense market is. And I wanted to compare that to the notion that the Buffalo Sabres and approach that they've taken because they made a very clear choice this summer, almost the exact opposite summer as the Ottawa Senators, where you know we were talking about all the different guys that they had added to beef up their team. The Sabres made a really clear point to say, we are not signing anyone that's going to take away opportunity or minutes from our young players. We wanna continue to progress with them and, and see their games grow. And yeah, the Sabres have hit a, a major bump in the road right now. But I think for the longer term and understanding exactly what you have and not blocking those paths that we've been waiting for for the Sens for a long time, I think that's an a critically important point to think about moving forward. There was a lot of talk this week about the Sharks potentially listening on Eric Carlson, who's having a fantastic season. Uh, I don't think we expected it to be this good. Um, but is there another player you have an eye on in San Jose? Yeah, you know, it's interesting that there was so much buzz around Carlson, I think probably because... Um, he's off to such a hot start that people are asking Mike Greer, like, hey, would you listen? And I was standing there for the conversation with Mike Greer, and uh, of course the Sharks would listen. Do you, like, He's not slamming his phone down if anyone's calling about Eric Carlson or any other player on his roster, given the contract constraints that he has, given that so many of these guys are signed for long term. The Carlson thing is interesting, but let's park that for a bit. For me, it really is Timo Meyer that's most interesting from this group. And part of it is because they were in a spot last year with Tomas Hurdle where he was a pending UFA and they knuckled down and signed him to a major long-term extension, $64, $65 million. And that was a ton to you know keep a, a team together and a player part of that team that hasn't had any success in recent years. Now, Timo Meyer is in a different spot because he's a pending restricted free agent but he has a massive qualifying offer at $10 million due. And so I think there's no doubt that teams will be calling on Meyer. I think there's a very small chance that the San Jose Sharks end up keeping him beyond the season because of both the contract and because of the spot that they're in and one of the few tradable pieces and assets that they have to potentially get something in return. 
But the question for me, Stephen, is what can they get in return? I think you have to take a notch below the Alex DeBrinkett deal that the Chicago Blackhawks got this past summer. And the reason for that is not only was DeBrinkett's qualifying offer less, but you had one more season of DeBrinkett on a somewhat reasonable deal, whereas already right from Jump Street, you're getting Timo Meyer as a rental. And the teams that you're probably dealing with are in contender mode to try and get someone like Timo Meyer for the playoffs. So the Blackhawks are able to get a first, second, and third, but you see seventh overall is pretty high up in the draft. You're probably dealing with teams that are way later in the first round, actually probably closer to the second round pick that they got from the Sens, which was 39th overall, than you are to the top. And so then you factor in what happens next. Maybe someone treats him as a pure rental, but then the prices are probably even lower than that. So um, I think the Sharks, it's an early warning shot that they're probably in a really tough spot trying to deal Timo Meyer as we get closer to the March 3rd trade deadline. Maybe not the greatest thing to be in and you're that bad and you can't really trade away some of your key pieces. Thank you, Frank. Today's icebreakers has been delivered by DoorDash. Use the promo code there at the bottom of your screen. Game day 25 gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order of $15 or more. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. All right, Stephen, we talked about GMs potentially wanting to get a do-over. It's our Daily Faceoff inbox question of the day. My question is, would you like a do-over if you had to go back and pick the three teams that might finish 32nd, 31st, and 30th in the race for the draft lottery? Would you want to redo, redo right now? Well, given one of those teams for me was New Jersey, uh, I'd say yeah. Probably, probably a good <laughs> guess. Um, not exactly working out. It's funny that you look at like the top five teams in the league, and I'm picked almost all of them to miss the playoffs so i completely screwed up on that one uh but when you look at it uh yes i would uh, the ducks i i kind of expected to be a little bit better right now and they're not so great but oh could you imagine Connor bedard in anaheim that'd be a lot of fun with zegras i i do expect teams like the coyotes and, and the canucks to continue to not be great teams but uh yeah it's i, I again i picked new jersey to finish i think 30th so i kind of screwed that one up yeah, that's probably not a great look, but this is, I think, the hardest league in the world to predict. I'm going to say, I'm going to stick with my guns. I had Arizona, I had Chicago, and I had San Jose all being right in that mix. And I think when this all gets sorted out, they've all kind of enjoyed some, you know, wins and, and different hotspots at, at varying points this season spurts. But I, I think when you look at some talent erosion that might exist as the season goes on for some of the reasons we just talked about, I think they're probably going to end up right in that same neighborhood, whether it's 29th instead of 31st. They're going to be right there. So those are the three teams I have my eye on to be right in that range. Let's get to our daily face-off points bet, daily bets segment, Tyler Remchuk. I haven't been keeping track. Have you been up on things this week? Have you been up? November has been dead even for me. Uh, one and two. I am up a little bit of money this week, but one and two last night. So looking to get back in the win column. It's a busy slate in the NHL. 
And I got four plays, so let's jump into it, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada. Starting with that matchup at the top, I really like the New York Rangers in this game. They're starting to maybe piece things together a little bit. Since November 1st, they are top 10 in the NHL in both shots for per 60 and shots against per 60 at 5-on-5. And I think they're being a little undervalued here, even though they're still the favorites at minus 136. Yes, Seattle has been a great story this year, but they've only won three of their nine home games on the season. So I actually like the Rangers at minus 136 and I'm adding in an Artemi Panarin assist at minus 130. He's hit this mark in four of his last five games with six assists total in that span. Also, I like the Tampa Bay Lightning to at home tonight against the Calgary Flames again. The Flames are maybe starting to play some decent hockey, but I think the Lightning are being undervalued here. They are 5-2-1 on the year at home and 6-3-1 and one in their last 10. So I like the Lightning as well. And my final play, the Marty Natchez shot prop. It's quickly becoming one of my favorite bets of the season. Paying minus 140, he's hit it in 3-5, of five, but hit it in over 60% of his games this season. So I love taking Natchez's shot prop as well. And that'll do it, Frank. That's my four plays for a busy, busy night in the NHL. Busy, busy. Everyone's busy. And that uh, Stephen Ellis, he's always busy. That guy watches more hockey than anyone. Stephen, that brings us to garbage time. And uh, what's caught your eye? What's caught your attention from around the NHL? So you mentioned that between tonight and Sunday, I'm going to nine games in about five or six different weeks. So you are correct. Um, the Seattle Kraken, they're starting to kind of fall back to earth. They've lost the last two games. But how did they get to the point where they were this good in the Pacific Division? This team didn't see a major drastic change from last year. Uh, in fact, I was a little more concerned about their goaltending, bringing in Martin Jones. And while Jones had a good start, his stats have kind of fallen off to what we'd expect from Martin Jones. Uh, they haven't played Shane Wright pretty much at all. He's played only seven games. And when I wrote about him struggling at the beginning of the year, it was five games, and that was almost a full month ago. So it's like they're not really playing him at all. Uh, this is a team that shouldn't be as good as they are, and they should be continuing to focusing on being near the bottom. So no one's going out there getting a point per game. They're, again, their, their statistics are not great. They are getting some scoring depth, which is nice, but how is this team actually pulling it off to the point where they might make the playoffs? And they're on a little bit of a slump right now, so everything could change, But and they haven't been good at home. But I, I did not expect them to be this high in the standings at this point in the season. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, I, I also thought at some point, Stephen, their goaltending, as bad as it was last year, couldn't possibly be this bad again. So I thought they'd get a bump from that. I underappreciated the ads that they made up front over the summer. And I also think there's probably some other teams in the Pacific that have been somewhat underwhelming to this point. I mean, you don't have to look much further than, I don't know, Edmonton and Calgary, who are below them in the standings in terms of points, to say that, the cream is probably going to rise to the top as the season goes along. But I think it's very important for Seattle from a market perspective to be playing competitive and meaningful games as the season drags along. You don't want to be out of it by U.S. Thanksgiving again, which certainly the Kraken are not. So kudos to them. Uh, well done by you on Garbage Time. Thanks to Tyler Remchuk and our head of production, Alex Allard. That'll do it for today's edition of Daily Faceoff Live. You know where to find us. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the NHL. We'll be back with you 12 noon Eastern on Friday. Until then, enjoy the games and have a great night, everyone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.